0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin.
0: And I'm Tim Warden. And we have a very interesting discussion to share with you today.
1: That is an understatement, Tim, because our guest today, Dr. Bart Halsberg, is going to talk about about his research uh, with whole body vibration and the impact on Hoof growth rate, which is really, really interesting and exciting developments. He's also getting into a little bit more about um, this as a, a modality in general, um, which I think is really useful information for anybody who's interested in vibration therapy. Um, but we also had an opportunity to, doc- to talk to Bart um, about some really exciting stuff that he's got in the works both um, in the development of the twin shoe, which uh, we'll talk about at length in our um, interview and in his development of um, really a new discipline in equine sports medicine, and that's uh, physiatry. Um, It does exist in human medicine, but he's sort of pioneering it in the equine veterinary space. So really, really excited about this one today and hope you guys all enjoy it. So
0: Dr. Bert Halsberg obtained his DVM from the University of Ghent in Belgium in 2003, and then since then, he has focused his veterinary career on equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. In 2018, he started his own practice, Global Equine Veterinary Consulting, where he provides worldwide veterinary services and consulting in the field of integrated equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. He has authored a book chapter as well as several peer-reviewed publications and is a double board-certified equine specialist in equine practice and equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. He combines all this knowledge and experience to pioneer a new branch in veterinary medicine called Equine Sports Physiatry, where he emphasizes the prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation of physical impairments or disabilities. Hi, Bart, and thanks for taking the time to chat with us on the Sport Horse podcast.
2: Uh, Thank you, Tim, and thanks for the invite. Happy to be here.
0: So uh, there's a lot we want to cover today. Really excited to have you. Um, Back in 2018, you published a study looking at the impact of whole body vibration on the rate of hoof growth. We'll get into the results of that study in a few minutes. But first, can you touch on your hypothesis for why whole body vibration would alter the hoof growth rate? And what would the What would cause that? What would be the mechanism for causing that change in hoof growth? Uh,
2: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And uh, indeed, the mechanism of action uh, is not really well understood or researched in regards to why whole body vibration increases hoof growth rate. Uh, But actually, maybe more interesting uh, or surprising to the listeners is that the exact hoof the exact mechanism for hoof growth itself is actually not uh, well understood either uh, or researched. But um, when we kind of look at the structures that are uh, involved in hoof growth and adaptation and we look at uh, the human research on whole body vibration uh, therapy, then we can suspect that uh it likely influences hoof growth rate through increased blood supply um met- increased metabolic rate through increased workload uh, most people know the vibration plates as a power plates or galileos that they see in the gym and uh, that are used for exercise exercises uh and a third reason it might increase uh, hoof growth rate would be through what we call uh, mechanical stimulation, uh, which then increases uh, the cellular proliferation and, and differentiation uh, of the cells that are responsible uh, for the production of, of the hoof. Um, so all those are potential mechanisms of actions, but um, we can probably dive into that a little bit later. Uh, when we did the research on hoof growth rate, uh, I personally think most of the increase in hoof growth rate comes from mechanical stimulation that we provide and that then causes cell proliferation uh, and differentiation. Uh, and I say that because what we saw in the study is that we had a initial quite high increase in hoof growth rate, but that leveled off after the first uh, 30 days. Um, and if it would be due to increased circulation, then we probably would expect that the hoof growth rate increase uh, would be the same over the whole uh, period of time. Um, and so I, I always compare a hoof a little bit or a foot to a muscle. Uh, often it's compared to a heart, uh, a, you know, a, a, another heart that's pumping blood. Uh, but obviously, a heart is a muscle as well. And I think from working with feet and doing research on feet, uh, I think they really act like a muscle and that they need a stimulation to get stronger and healthier. Uh, and if that stimulation stops, obviously, the foot is not going to get stronger or healthier or it's going to plateau out or even Decrease in health. Uh, Just as you go to the gym and you start lifting weights, um, you might start with five pounds and feel you had a workout and get stronger. But after a month, if you're still pushing five pounds, that muscle is not going to get stronger or or better. So you're going to plateau off. And I think that's what we saw a little bit in our study when it comes to whole body vibration uh, and the effects on hook growth rate too, that we saw an initial uh, increase, and then it started plateauing off because the intensity and the duration of that exercise uh, did not change over time.
1: That's really fascinating. And I've never really thought about the hoof as a muscle, but it's uh, I've got a lot of thoughts stirring around in my head. So I'm just curious in that context, um, if if your findings in this study um, identified something specific about whole body vibrations that uh cause the specific effect of increased rate of hoof growth that's different than other other types of um I guess exercise for the foot and uh the uh, other other mechanisms other other methods I guess
2: yeah I mean we we know from uh <clears throat> from research that you know, cells react to to load um okay whether that's a muscle cell or another type of cell in the body so they react to stress uh that you put on it and with vibrations it's basically uh, sheared forces and uh, the vibrations uh, when we look at whole body vibrations i mean it's all obviously a three-dimensional vibration but we describe the type of vibration of Uh, the direction it goes in most. So a vertical vibration is actually what we try to do, but we also have horizontal vibrations side to side and back to back in a three dimensional, three dimensional plane. And it's those little sheared forces that are actually stimulating the cells. And then these cells, oh, I got a new stimulus. Uh, so they're adapting and they're they're responding to that with uh, increased, uh, uh, production of cells, which then increases the hoof growth rate, uh, obviously. Circulation uh, probably plays a role as well, uh, because um, if we look at um, some of uh, Dr. Bowker's research that's done a lot of research on feet, I mean, he talks uh, about the influence of the surface uh, on the microcirculation in the foot, and that we have less circulation in the hoof, when they're standing on a hard surface and the frog and the soul are not stimulated, when they're standing on a more uh, conformable surface and you get uh, tactile or sensory stimulation of the soul and frog, then that seems to open the, the microvasculature and the blood flow. Um, and what we know from research in whole body vibration is that Whole body vibration does have a very relaxing effect uh, on the horse. Um, it lowers cortisol levels, so it reduces stress. And when we get r- relaxation, obviously that's what we call that. You know, you have two uh, type of nervous systems. Maybe I'm going a little bit too, too far, but you have the no. parasympathetics, uh, which is, you know, live and let, l- live and eating uh, uh, reproduction that's all the good stuff and then you have the sympathetics which kick in when there's a stress alert and it's a survival thing now that in the ideal world you want that to be in balance but the sympathetic st- system will cause vasoconstriction you know increase your blood pressure so you can react and fight the parasympathetic will cause vasodilation so open the blood vessels and improve, your perfusion uh, to that area. Uh, so I think indirectly, we can probably link it to that as well, that uh, we not only stimu- start stimulating the having tactile input from the vibrations, but uh, it also gives a relaxation effect and then opens up the microvasculature vas-
0: and in, in the hoof. Awesome. And can you just dive in a little bit more about the The vivation platform like the protocol you would use so how long are horses typically on there is there sort of a a window where you get the best effect not only i guess the hoof growth for sure but also in terms of that calming effect is there uh what protocol would you recommend for people who do have access to those platforms
2: yeah Um, i I mean uh, there's definitely still a lot more research to be done Uh, so the the ideal protocols uh, we don't know what the ideal protocol is, but from what's available uh, in the literature, I think when it comes to hoof growth rate, there's there's one other study that was published on hoof growth rate, and um, <clears throat> they did two settings. They had the same. When we talk about there's three factors you can control, or a- actually two, but we talk about amplitude, which is you know, how much the plate goes up and down, uh, and the frequency, uh, you know, at how many, uh, how many times it vibrates per second, basically. And that defines the intensity uh, of your workout. And then obviously you have the duration of how long you put the horse on there. So that's your, your volume. Uh, again, if you're thinking about exercising, that's what you can play with as an athlete. You know, do you, you know, work on volume, which is long duration, low intensity exercises, or you, you do uh, high intensity, uh, low duration exercises. But the amplitude in uh, the whole body vibration platforms in horses, we, we cannot control it. It's more control about the, uh, the frequencies itself. But the other study that looked at hoof growth, they looked at, uh, they did about the same frequency. It was a different uh, brand uh, of whole body vibration platform. So, and I don't think all brands are comparable as well because there's some vibration platforms that do have more the vertical movement and there's other plat- vibration platforms that have more a horizontal movement. And uh, the most of the research is in humans show that you really need the vertical displacement to have the, the best effects or the positive effects. Um, but that study, the other study did not show an effect when the horses were only standing on there for 15 minutes and they saw a trend to increase hoof growth when they were standing on there for 20 minutes. Um, in my study, we did 30 minutes twice a day. Uh, so we did the, you know, uh, quite, uh, uh Quite high of a volume because we wanted to 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 show effect. Um, so there are, we see that definitely the intensity or the volume or the duration uh, plays a role. And I would say that to increase the hoof growth rate, you likely, based on those two studies, need a minimum of 30 minutes a day on the vibration plate uh, around 30 to 40 hertz uh, frequency. And ideally you want to put them on a vibration plate that has more of vertical, uh, movement, which would be the Vida floor or the Equivibe. Um, the Terra plate is has more a horizontal or the, they say a more circular, uh, movement pattern. So that works a little bit different. Uh, so those plate, the Terra plate is not really comparable to, uh, to the other place because it has a different type of vibration and direction of vibration.
0: No, that's for sure really, really interesting. And I know in your paper, uh, you didn't study these directly, but you you cited a bunch of other papers that looked at factors such as age or a gender metabolic rate. Uh, Can you speak a little bit about for, you know, I think vibration platforms are becoming more popular but still a lot of staples don't have these yet what other things can people do in their own management practice to help stimulate hoof growth uh, if that's a goal for them so in terms of nutrition or um you know just daily management practices what do what else do we know about stimulating hoof uh, growth right
2: well it's definitely influenced by by several factors but uh <clears throat> The most well known or season, we we definitely see that feed grows slower in the winter and and fastest in the summer, but obviously we cannot influence that, so that doesn't help us. Um, You know, genetics, gender, breed, age, uh, they they play a role, but again, we cannot influence that, so that doesn't help us out. Nutrition, indeed, um, we know that. Biotin can improve hoof quality, adequate caloric intake is important in hoof growth rate as well, uh, together with some amino acids and, and some, uh, minerals like zinc and copper. But I think nowadays the diets are so good that, you know, most horses, you know, they generally or have a balanced diet, especially now with the introduction of these a ration or hay balancers um i think it's hard to really uh improve on that if your horse is on a, a on a balanced diet uh, so you're kind of limited there i don't think adding extra will help uh to improve hoof growth rate um and then you're kind <clears> of <throat> stuck with okay metabolic rate which is workload um obviously the harder they work the more they have to metabolize, the, the faster the hoof growth rate, uh, but you have to already exercise them at a moderate rate to see an increased hoof growth rate. Um, so, okay, we can influence that a little bit, but still, uh, you're limited there as well. And then there's uh, trimming and chewing uh, that has an influence. And... Uh, also, potentially, uh, like we talked earlier, the, the type of surface the horses live on and move on. Uh, like I said, on hard surfaces, the circulation might be reduced. Um, we also have a negative impact on hard surfaces on, from impact vibrations that can uh, cause constructions of this microvasculature and influence the, the hoof and the circulation in a negative way. So we definitely want to move the horses on a, a conformable surface that stimulates that, that frog and sole. Um, so that can help. And then trimming and shoeing, there's some studies that show, you know, the type of trim can affect a little bit the hoof growth rate, um, as well. But, uh, I personally have been involved in a, in a new shoe, uh, it's called a twin shoe, and we've <clears throat> looked at the effects of that shoe compared to traditional shoes and compared to barefoot. And One of the parameters that we measured was hoof growth rate, and we were able to improve hoof growth rate uh, with that shoe uh, on an average of 11% um, year over year. Uh, we've We've been following these horses for over two years now. Um, and I think that's uh, related to the fact that this twin shoe allows the normal hoof mechanism that we see in a barefoot hoof to take place while still protecting it uh, like uh, what we do with a traditional shoe. Um, what's so special about this twin shoe is, uh, I mean, on first look, it looks like a regular shoe. Um, but what we did, we re-engineered it, uh, so that during the shoeing process, we can split the shoe in two halves at the toe. So we have two halves that can move independently and not restrict the hoof capsule movement, uh, while allowing it to stay on, on the foot. Um, and so we kind of tried to create the best of, of two worlds, uh, in that design you know, the barefoot hoof mechanism and protecting the foot. And that's why a shoe was invented in the first place to protect the hoof from excess wear.
1: That's all really fascinating. Um, I wonder if you have, through your research, um, been able to identify um, like specifically what types of horses do really well in the twin shoe um and and sort of for our listeners you know i think barefoot has become sort of really popular in all the rage right now but it's there's a lot of challenges to implementing that so um you know if if somebody's sort of looking for a solution and barefoot doesn't seem to be a a good option for them either because of you know their their environment or um, you know, whatever their, their resources are, um, what what would make a twin shoe a good fit for a sport horse?
2: Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, barefoot, you know, is, is definitely getting more popular, but uh, we have to accept that we're dealing with domesticated horses. And, you know, uh, sometimes it, it's, it's very hard to yeah. To 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 manage that and uh, these horses that we keep, a they've been domesticated for years, so the feet have changed to a certain extent. Uh, often they're not moving enough. Uh, they're not living necessarily in the environment that they're working on and because they're working in an arena footing or on trails. But they might be, depending on where you're at. They might be living in in grass or just in a dry lot paddock or on on the rubber mats uh, And again, as we talked the 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 hoof, you know, like this it's like a muscle, so the hoof can adapt and it's gonna adapt to the environment or the stimulations that it gets most of the time. So if it's standing twenty three hours in a stall and then you ask that hoof to function in. A different type of footing uh, at different loads. obviously that hoof is not adapted to that, and we're gonna run run into some uh, problems uh, for sure. Um, but and and those are the challenges that we have with environment, surface usage, time management too, and then obviously the horse genetics, hoof quality and conformation. Uh, that might be a problem to keep that horse barefoot. And uh, from the research we've done is that we, we've seen using this shoe that the twin shoe can be there, a very nice solution to, uh, we call it transitioning horses to or from barefoot. But if you want to go barefoot and reap the benefits of barefoot, which is mainly allowing that, that three dimensional um hoof flexibility uh to to function what we call the the hoof mechanism um that's what the twin shoe allows to do and still protect that foot uh so it the horse can work in an environment that it's not uh, adapted to uh, so it kind of gives you the best of both worlds there but and and you don't you know, on the other hand, if, if we have people that say, Oh, I really want to go barefoot and their horse has been shot their whole life. Um, obviously a, a traditional shoe is very good in protecting, uh, but, um, it's like with everything, if you protect it, then the structure starts relying on that. It's like if you sprained your arm or broke your arm, they're going to put you in a cast initially to stabilize it and that feels good it's like a, a hoof that has a, a big sole bruise or a corn um or a sole frog or heel we can stabilize it like with a bar shoe or a pad and we get immediate results and that's good but then as a person if you sprain or fracture your arm you you're going to move from complete stabilization into maybe a brace that and you're going to start moving, but you're still going to go protecting and then eventually going to move out of that brace, you know, and you're going to go to the physio and do strengthening exercises so you can go back to, to normal function. And I think we have to look at a foot a little bit in the same way. Uh, sometimes stabilizing that foot is great for a certain situation. You have a quarter crack, you have a bruise, you name it, you, you have a fracture, but then. It, it shouldn't be the idea. And what happens a lot is like once he's in that package, now he stays in that package for life and we, we should evolve. We should evolve them back from, okay, a, a little bit less stability and go back to flexibility so that foot can exercise and through exercise get stronger. Otherwise, you know, it becomes weaker and weaker and we need more and more support, uh, to keep that foot together. And, we had some great success there. That's often the challenge when we transition horses that have been in shoes for a long time to barefoot. Okay, we obviously need to transition with boots or sometimes with hoof casts, And it takes a long time and a lot of effort from the farrier, the trimmer, the owner uh, to adapt these boots, work with inserts, different inserts, and let that foot slowly adapt over time so it can start moving and get stronger. And with the twin shoe, the, you know, you're going to protect it. So you're not going to have to deal with that initial discomfort when you pull the shoes, but the hoof can adapt as it is shot. And then in that after six months, if you really want to go barefoot, you can pull the twin shoes and you already have a strong, healthy foot like it, like it's been barefoot. So it makes that transition. Much more easier and much less labor intensive, um, for the owner and also for the farrier. You know, okay, there's some things he needs to know how to put it on correctly, but at the end of the day, it's still a steel shoe he nails on. So it's not that big of a, uh, a gap for him to, to adapt to versus a lot of farriers. They don't want to deal with boot fitting or they don't know how to boot fit it or they you know they rather stay with what they know and and, and this could make a very nice transition for everyone uh in that respect
0: that's that's really interesting and i was checking out the twin shoe uh, site a little bit earlier and there's a really nice video that sort of goes through all the steps and that it it demonstrates how the twin shoe actually works and how it's applied. So, we'll in the show notes we'll include include a link so that people can go and check out more about the shoes. But also, I think that video is really helpful to to visualize how the shoe how the shoe works. Uh, just switching gears to uh, one more topic. Uh, I feel like we're jumping all over the place, but you've got so so much on the go <laughs> that we that we need to cover here. Um, I, I know that you're really a champion of this equine sports physiatry uh i guess field it's a it's a new field uh you're sort of leading the charge into it can you explain to our listeners a little bit more about what equine sports physiatry encompasses and what the goals are
2: uh sure and uh, basically i have to uh, one of my colleagues, dr alan Schoon, is actually one that came up with with the word um But basically what it tries to do is basically bring together the strengths of what we consider the the classical sports medicine or Western sports medicine with complementary or alternative medicine. But I, I hate to call it alternative because, you know, you know, both are equally, but if we combine it, they can be very synergetic, and uh, we can have a much better effect on the horse. And by combining all these different diagnostic and therapeutic modalities from, you know, different viewpoints and different worlds, we can offer a true holistic approach to the horse. Um, and we take our focus a little bit away from you know, in Western medicine, we're very focused on diagnosing the lesion or the injury and treating that. Uh, and then sometimes we forget about the rest of the horse, or maybe we forget of why that lesion or injury occurred in the first place. And with equine desired, we, we kind of try to look at the whole horse and treat the whole horse at the same time. I mean, we're going to treat the lesion, but We also gonna look. So why did that lesion occur? Was he overloading that leg? Is he sore somewhere else? Is there pain in his, in his neck or his back or how is he using his body? And can we basically, you know, optimize the function of his body, body within the limitations that that body has? So it's not always about being Perfect, uh, because we all, if we would screen everybody, if we would screen ourselves, we all have a certain amount of abnormalities or pathologies or crookedness in our body. So it's about how can we make that body function within its limitations um, and, and, and get the best out of it from a health perspective and a performance uh, perspective. You know and and often people have hear a diagnose of my horse has this or that and they feel it's uncurable. Maybe it's uncurable, but that doesn't mean that horse or or human cannot function and perform and do something. Uh and that's what we try to to do with equine societies support the whole body so it, it, it can still function within its own limitations.
1: That's really exciting. And I kind of feel like we have a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) that we could have um, just about that topic. Um, But in light of, uh, you know, your time today, I I think we'll just ask you one last question. Uh, And that's uh, a question that we ask all of our guests. Um, If, and that's if you could talk to a horse directly and they could understand you, what would you want them to know?
2: Uh, what would I ask them or <laughs> what would I like to know from them?
1: <laughs> uh, what would you like them to know from you? I think is the the first question. And then we we yeah. welcome the other as well.
2: I, I I think I would like to know how I can help them better and understand them better because I what what I've learned over time is that sometimes we just don't listen enough to the animals. You know, we go especially with nowadays we have all these diagnostic tools and all these treatments and we go in it and analyze everything. Um And then we make our plan and we execute that plan. But we never ask the horse, you know, what he thinks of it per se. And I I have to say, with doing more the equine psychiatry, which encompasses that complementary medicine over the years, yeah, I, I still assess a horse and I make you know, an analysis of my findings or what we call in medicine a differential diagnose. And I think, oh, this is this problem or this or this, or this is the top three things I want to work on. And you start working on that body, on that horse. But uh, now what I do, I, I okay, I, I start working on a horse, but then I look at the horse and I see how the horse responds. And if the horse does not respond to me favorable, if it doesn't look like he's A, reacting or enjoying it or relaxing it, then I already know that whatever I'm thinking, I'm in the wrong spot, you know? And so that's why I think we we need to listen more to the horse because you might be thinking the problem is there and the horse is trying to tell you all the time that you're wrong, it's somewhere else. And, and with the body work, you can try to figure that out a little bit as long as you're looking at the horse and responding to his cues. And I, I think that would be nice, um, to understand them a little bit more, uh, or easier. And, and every horse is an individual. So some horses will tell you other horses will be a little bit harder to
0: read. No, I I think those are great sentiments and um, I know Nicole and I will definitely dive into that a little bit more when we wrap up the episode, but uh, I I think those are really important points for the listeners to appreciate Um, at the end of the day in training programs as well. When you're trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, exercise should I do with my horse? There's so much to be learned from just understanding why the horse is moving a certain way. Right. like if the horse carries its head in a way that the rider doesn't like, that the question is like, why is the horse doing that? Like, it, like nothing happens by accident, right? There's always a reason why. Or like, why is the horse more on the forehand? Or, or why does the horse want to rush through a combination when it's jumping? And instead of trying to just do the opposite to train the horse to do it the way you want, like I think it's always a lot more helpful to understand why is the horse doing that? And then once you understand that, then you can do exercises that actually help to build certain aspects of the body or you know, help to build confidence in the horse so that it can use its body a little bit differently. But I think uh really good sentiments. And with that, I think we'll, we'll end it there. Really appreciate it, Bart. This has been really, really valuable. As Nicole said, we'll I anticipate we'll be bugging you to come back on <laughs> in the future to talk about more, more stuff. Cause this was all really, really interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it.
2: And um, uh, yeah. Always happy to do another podcast.
1: Awesome. We can't wait.
0: So I really enjoyed the perspective of Bart in this episode. Um, Of course, we focused a little bit more on the the hoof growth question and hoof health in this episode, but uh, I think that it for sure relates back to the broader picture, which is what we discussed a little bit more towards the end. It really is a a holistic approach that's needed to manage horses, uh, especially sport horses that need to go and, and exercise to perform at a high level uh the saying no hoof no horse really applies in this situation because so much of movement essentially all of movement in this sport is the horse's hooves interacting with the ground so you need to make sure that the hoof is able to to do that in in the way it's designed to and that the horse uh, has confidence that the hooves beneath it will be able to do uh, the movements that are required to either jump or do complex dressage movements or or sort of whatever but uh yeah, just a really nice overview from Bert. I We're for sure going to have him back on. Uh, I'm not sure when yet. We need to schedule that. But just to pick his brain a little bit more about how this all comes together, how does uh, hoof growth affects you know, broader movements, and how does a little bit of tightness, maybe in the hind end, impact what the neck is doing or what the front end is doing. So it's all really, really fascinating. And then I think another point that I would challenge all of you to do as soon as you finish uh listening to this episode is to go out and try to find an expert in some field that you don't feel so comfortable in and try to approach them and just have a bit of a conversation and try to learn something new um it is a very complex thing we're trying to do with horse we're trying to manage so many different factors and for those who for those trainers and riders who are making a lot of decisions themselves you need to be an expert in nutrition biomechanics physiology uh you Sports psychology—all of these are different factors. And so, I would encourage you all to go out and, and try to learn a little bit more, because that's really what Bart has done such a good job of throughout his career. He's learned so much from so many different uh, fields, and I think let's try to uh, take a little bit of, you know, Bart's motivation and apply that to our to our own lives.
1: Yeah, those are all great points, and I think uh, a worthwhile challenge for everyone to undertake. So, I hope that um everyone myself included that we go out there and give it a try you just never never really know what you can learn by by seeing things from another perspective or by gaining a better understanding of of where other perspectives and what where, where other people are coming from so that's a wrap for today's episode and as tim said we'll definitely work on getting bart back for another episode to discuss more about equine sports physiatry Um, but for today's episode, you can find the links, uh, for Bart and all of his research and everything and the show notes at www.sporthorsepodcast.com. You can follow us at Sport Horse Series on Facebook and Instagram. As always, we would love it if you would give us a follow, um, on your podcast listening app that way you'll never miss an episode Um, if you like and review us there as well it helps other people to find the show so we would appreciate that you can have all 20 plus shows of the horse radio network with you wherever you go and with our free app for iphone and android Um, just go to the app store and search horse radio network and here's to keeping your sport horse happy and healthy